Welcome to Living Life in Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. VidFriends is a national vitiligo support community founded by Valerie Molino. For more information about VidFriends, you can visit us at www.vidfriends.org. I wanted to take a little bit of time to share with you about this particular podcast. From time to time, I will have licensed therapists come on to talk about various aspects of mental health, physical health, spiritual health, as well as emotional health. This particular discussion talks about our core beliefs. And I know a lot of people say, well, my core beliefs are fine. Yes, they are. But they also shape us and mold us into who we are. And sometimes those core beliefs are not necessarily healthy for us. Sometimes they are. Enjoy this conversation between myself and the mental health therapist. And hopefully this would change someone's life because it was life altering for me. This conversation really made me sit back and focus on how can I change the way I view myself and the way I view others. So sit back and enjoy this conversation between myself and my special guest. Welcome to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. On today's show, I have a returning guest, Nia Rose. Welcome, Nia. How are you? I am good, Mark. Thank you so much for having me back again. I was counting earlier how many times I've been here, (laughs) and I love it every time. But um, Nia Rose, um, licensed therapist, program coordinator for the Employee Support and Wellness Program at Wake County Public School System, and just happy to be here. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I know some of our listeners may say, yeah, she's been on a couple of times and I will continue to have you on because (laughs) we're going to have, I I feel, open discussions that we need to talk about, but we don't often talk about Mm -hmm. because it can be, I guess, a little heavy at times. And, um, And a lot of times we project some of our challenges on other people and not really looking at ourselves and saying, Ooh, maybe I need to change. Maybe I'm dealing with this and that. So Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about some of that. I don't want to give too much away. That's what I'm talking in cold. So (laughs) I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. So Nia, let's go ahead and get started (laughs) because I think this is going to be an important conversation for all of our listeners, those with vitiligo and those without. And if you're a human being on this planet, you have something called core beliefs. Can you let our listeners know what are core beliefs? And we'll get into some of the details on that. Definitely. And so just, you know, to break it down very simply, core beliefs are beliefs that we have learned, number one, developed, um, starting a lot of times in childhood, but they can also be learned or developed in adolescence, adulthood, even in the elderly. And what they do, their beliefs that color the way we see ourselves, as well as how we perceive the world around us. And if there are beliefs that are not healthy, that can lead to us not thinking well of ourselves, And our lives are going to play out what we believe and what we tell ourselves. Um, And just a a real quick example, and you and I have talked about this before in terms of the children, you know, Mm, that you see in the classroom. And and we never know what they go home to. But, 
if a child is going home every day and being told by whoever is raising that child, you're worthless, you're never going to amount to anything, um, you're no good. And then we expect that child to come into the school and act like the perfect little angel. And, right. and it's not going to happen because they have these beliefs that and people don't even have to keep saying them. But the child's brain is going to record that and then they're going to start saying it to themselves. Absolutely. And, those. And, and, you know, Nia, uh, you know, I do work in the school system for my listeners. Yes. And this summer I heard a lot of that from students, you know. I'm stupid or I can't get this and I can't this or I'm this. And, and I and I had to step back and say to a few students, you know, let's speak life into ourselves. You mm-hmm. know, let's speak positivity. Uh, now I get the frustration that I'm seeing on the students' faces or the frustration of coming back from a pandemic where you've lost two and a half years of education. Mm-hmm. And now these students are really frustrated. And I'm starting to hear more of the negativity where they're saying, I can't do certain things. Right. Um, how do we move our students past that? Or because or, th- those are some of the core beliefs. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The good news is, can core beliefs be changed? Absolutely. Because what's happened is the person has been given incorrect information and they do need to be given correct information. And I really like what you just said. Let's speak life into our lives. Let's speak goodness into our lives. And that's really where it happens is what goes on in our brain. So we have to start telling ourselves different things in order to dispute the incorrect information that we've been given. Is it easy to do? No. Is it doable? Yeah. Is it going to take some time? Absolutely. And a lot of patience and a lot of non-judgmental, right. um, you know, actions on the part of us as, you know, the people that are recognizing that these people have core beliefs that just aren't working for them in their lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, um, and once again, reflecting back on our students, you know, they are very hard on themselves. Um mm-hmm. I'm starting to notice an influx of students that want to be perfectionists. You know, mm-hmm. I was told I can't miss any problems on this test. I was told that I I have to get everything right. I have to know everything. And mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on them to be this perfect vessel mm-hmm. of, a, of a human and knowing that we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes and you grow from those mistakes. But they're being told you have to do it perfectly now. Right. Right. And so then the behaviors we see are attempts at perfectionism. Um, We see eating disorders. We see increased mental health problems, anxiety, depression, um, suicidal ideation, because there's a part of, of that child that knows I can't live up to the expectations that have been placed upon me. And if I fail, then that might mean I fail as a human being and I'm worthless. And so why do I even need to be here? Because I know I can't do all of this. Right. Right. And, and in terms of our kids, you know, and this applies to the adults too. We put a lot of that on ourselves, our loved ones. You know, I think about the, um, the sports teams where we tell 
our students that, you know, or the, our athletes, that everybody's a winner. You know, nobody loses, so everybody gets a trophy. You cannot lose. But the reality of the world is that if you're playing sports, you're going to have a winner, you're going to have a loser, you know. <laughs> and we look at the term loser as a bad thing. You you came in second place. It's okay, mm-hmm. you know. Um, maybe that team was just a little bit better than you. Or maybe you didn't play to the best of your ability, but you keep playing. You know, you're playing a game. And I had to explain that to a child. I said, you know, although you did not win, you're athletic. You made the team. Mm -hmm. You played to the best of your ability. There are some students that went out for the team that did not make it. You know, Um, but did that mean did that mean that they were bad or anything? No, they just did not make it. You know, maybe it was some other skills that the coach was looking for. Mm-hmm. And that's what they needed. But mm-hmm. I think we set our students up sometimes and ourselves with unrealistic ex- expectations, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and one of the other things, and I do this in my private practice, is, okay, let's say that you didn't accomplish a goal that you set for yourself. What can you learn from that to better prepare yourself for the next time that you want to work towards achieving that goal? And so use it as an opportunity for growth, you know, intellectual growth, personal growth, spiritual growth. Right. Use it as a learning experience. And then that way you can be better prepared for the next go round. Most definitely. Absolutely. In the beginning, you were um, sharing a little bit about core beliefs. What are some of the facts that surround it? Because uh, we know core beliefs are things that we assume or believe about ourselves and other people. But mm-hmm. in terms of the actual core beliefs, what are facts that um, about them? And maybe then we could talk about what are some tools to get around some of those things that are f- affiliated with core beliefs? Most definitely. One of the, the core things about core beliefs is that they're learned. They are learned. A child is not born with a a, a core belief. They're like tabula rasa, they're a blank slate. And so whatever environment they grow up in, they learn this by hearing, by seeing and observing, by experiencing whatever that environment they're in contains. And then they go out into the world further watching, observing, and they learn more core beliefs and begin to incorporate those. So that's kind of the basic thing. Um, They usually develop in childhood. However, traumatic experiences can also lead to core beliefs. And I want to talk about that a little bit more um, in a couple of minutes. Um, The other thing is, with a core belief, we we might tell someone, you know, I'm a loser. I'm worthless. Right. I'm not worth anything. And someone may say to the, us, you know, that's not true. You're you're worthy. You're you're you know, you're vital, you're essential, you're beautiful, and we will discount that information and say that that information is incorrect. The core belief I've developed is the correct information and so that's one right. of the challenges in working with people to help shift that lens you know, to to take in the correct information. Um, negative core core beliefs don't, I mean, they're not true. They're not. Right. right. But they feel true. 
And so to a person who has negative core beliefs, it's like, this is how I feel. So that's what makes it a fact. And right. again, I don't care what you tell me. This is what the fact is. And they tend to be rigid. I mean, just sort of like black and white. I'm not worth anything. My dad told me I'll never amount to anything in this world. My mother told me that I'm going to grow up and, and, you know, not be anything. And so they're very rigid, very strict, very black and white, leaves no room for, well, maybe sometimes, you know, you're a little lazy. No, I'm lazy all the time because that's what I was told. And I believe that. And going back to the feelings, I feel it. So it's true. Right. What are the kind of basic or basic principles behind core beliefs? And, and, you know, and I I like to use students as an example, because I see a lot of it in school. Like Mm -hmm. we had a project to do and I was teaching the students how to draw. And one of the students said, I can't draw. I said, I'm going to show you that you can do it. I understand this is how you feel. Yes, mm-hmm. the child felt they couldn't draw, um, maybe not on their own. I said, but I'm going to teach you. Mm-hmm. I said, as long as you are listening, you're seeing what I'm doing, and you're following directions, I said, mm-hmm. you're going to have your own masterpiece. It's going to look different from somebody else's. And that's right. what I did. I took them through a step-by-step drawing with lines and shapes and explaining you know, what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I could see the child's face light up like, I drew this. Yes, mm-hmm. you did. Mm-hmm. And I think what what we need to understand with our core beliefs, like you said, they're being taught. But we also have to teach people, not just kids, but people how to get out of some of those core beliefs to mm-hmm. believe in themselves. You know, not always the negativity, but the positive aspects, you know, mm-hmm. and then guide them. That's it. Guiding as well. You know, we don't often guide people. We tell yeah. them how to do it. Yeah, you could do that. Mm-hmm. But there's no steps to it. There's no guiding. You know, we just right. kind of let, let them go. Right. So the person ends up sitting there feeling like, well, okay, I know that's what you told me, but uh, how do I do that? I, you know, how do I get there? Right. 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 Exactly. You know, it's like saying, follow the yellow brick road, but you never show me where the road is. How am I right. going to get there? <laughs> right. Right. It, it reminds me, quick story going back to Vitiligo and, and my mom and, um, I was maybe 13, 14. She and I were in a grocery store and we were in the checkout line. And there was a woman standing behind my mother who like laser focused on my mother's hands. I mean, this woman could not take her eyes off my mother's hands. And she worked up the nerve to ask my mother, what's wrong with your hands? So my mother who had a wonderful sense of humor held them up and started flexing her fingers. She said, well, I don't have arthritis. They're working fine. I can type. I can write and everything like that. Right. And the woman was like, no, they're different colors. You've got spots that are my color. And my mom was like, oh, you mean my beauty spots? Mm. Well, those are my beauty spots. Right. Because the core belief that my grandmother raised her with was there's nothing wrong with you, number right. one. Yes, you are different, but those are beauty marks. Those are marks of distinction. And I mean, she literally drilled that into right. my mom's head. And so my mom grew up thinking 
Oh, well, see, I'm, I'm fortunate and blessed to have these. I'm sorry you don't, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> saw them as beauty marks. She really did. And I thought, wow, you know, that was such a wonderful core belief to have. Right. Very positive about something that most people don't understand Absolutely. and are ignorant about. And, you know, and, you know I'm glad you shared that story because it makes me think about a lot of the conversations I hear is about people staring at us. We think in our minds that everybody's staring. Mm-hmm. Maybe they are. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you, if somebody's staring at me and I'm going about my normal day, I really wouldn't know because mm-hmm. I'm not paying attention to them. Mm-hmm. That's something I had to learn because I used to get really bad anxiety going into a store, especially if I wore shorts because I felt like everyone was staring at me. Mm-hmm. That was in my mind. That was my belief that when I walk in this store, my shorts, people are going to stare. They're going to look, make comments. Mm-hmm. And I believe that. Mm-hmm. But I'm at a stage now where I had, to, I had to teach myself. Who cares if they're staring? Mm-hmm. Who cares what they're saying? I'm here for a purpose. I'm here to shop. I'm here to walk out of here after I pay for my products, go home, get in the car or go to my next destination Mm-hmm. And not worry about what people are doing, mm-hmm. but it, it it it's a hard place to get out of once you're there because you think the world is focused on your spots, right, right. And sometimes they are, sometimes they're not, you know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I I just I just think that's one of the challenges we have as a community. We mm-hmm. always think somebody's watching us. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's sort of like a community core belief. What I find interesting about that is a lot of people with or without vitiligo have that same core belief. Right. And that if you were in some place like Walmart, which I, I just hate Walmart, so I try not to get the name. If you're in Walmart, nine out of 10 of the people may look at you and give you a glance, but then they're going to go back to thinking about whatever stuff is going on in their minds and right. paying more attention to you. And that was something that I had to overcome as well when it comes to being in a crowd of people because of my tremor. And I right. thought, you know, people looking at me and wondering, does a woman have Parkinson's? What's wrong with her and stuff like that? Until I realized most people really don't give a darn. They right. might look at me for a second and say, that's interesting. And then go back to whatever thoughts. So that's how I was able to overcome that core belief and right. not buy into it. And a lot of us do that. We we think everybody's staring at us. Mm-hmm. No, people might look, but then they're like, I'm going about my business. You know, um, you will get people that will make comments out of curiosity. Um, you might get somebody that will say comments out of ignorance, but I mm-hmm. think most, most people come to us in, in the terms of I'm curious. Mm-hmm. I really want to know what this is. I've seen it, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. And they don't have the tools to ask us properly. You know, at least what we think is proper. Um, right. Right. They just ask. And sometimes it's very offensive, you know, mm-hmm. um, but how do we, what are some things that we can do in terms of tools to help us, change our core beliefs, especially those negative things that we're dealing with or thinking about ourselves. Exactly. Um, One of the things, and and I just did a workshop on working with people who have been traumatized. Um, 
and I'll, I'll give a little backstory that um, a lot of people who develop negative core beliefs about themselves as a result of trauma um, have to be treated sort of like with kid gloves. And I was trained by the Atlanta Police Department on how to work with uh, children, both boys and girls who've been sex trafficked right. and severely traumatized. And their view of themselves were, I'm worthless, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, a piece of flesh to be right. bought, sold and abused and everything like that. And so what we had to learn how to do was to not ask them what's wrong with you, right. but to change that lens and say, what happened to you? Right. Let me hear, tell me to help me understand what you went through. And I'll never be able to fully understand it. I'm going to be completely transparent because I've not walked in your shoes. Right. But I want to understand because I want to collaborate with you to help you heal through this and change the beliefs that you developed as a result of going through this experience. So as educators, as life coaches, as therapists, we have to ask different questions. Absolutely. Um, the other thing that I learned in working with people that have really negative core beliefs is that you don't assume that they're just going to automatically let you in on what they're thinking and right. feeling. And so you kind of have to tease it out and give them the time and create a safe enough space where they will volunteer that information to you. And they may say, um, let's say that, you know, different from the traumatic sex trafficking stuff, but let's say that a child grew up in a home where there was addiction and physical abuse, domestic right. violence and stuff. And say the little boy, you know, sees his father getting drunk every night and beating his mom. And so he develops core beliefs of that's how you treat women right. and you drink to solve your problems. And so as he grows up, he begins to adopt those things because no one's ever told him any differently. So in working with that child or adolescent, you ask them, what was that like for you growing up? How right. did you feel when you saw your father hit your mother or when you saw your father drink himself to the point where he passed out? If there were other siblings in the home, how do you think they felt? Right. And, and only tell me if you feel safe and comfortable enough, because again, I want to know what happened to you and how you feel because it's important to me. So we have to become very transparent, but we also have to be very genuine and humble. In Absolutely. Um, it, made, it makes me think about a student I was working with last year. For people that don't know, yes, I'm an educator, but I work with um, behaviors last year. Um, and, and really my goal was to provide them with some positive tools to help them navigate whatever the challenges they were dealing with. And I think about one child in particular, um, had a lot of anger issues and in the beginning would not talk like when angry, I got caveman talk, um, destroying stuff, ripping things off the wall, throwing things across the room. And my approach was when you're ready to talk, tell me what you need, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. tell me what happened, you know, let, let's figure out together what we can do. And I would explain to the child, you know, I can't control your behavior. 
I said, but I can give you what you need, hopefully, to help you manage it mm-hmm. and um, and give you an outlet to talk, because I think that's what the child really needed. Mm-hmm. Um, when angry, I need somebody to talk to, somebody who's going to listen and mm-hmm. not immediately write me up or send me home. And mm-hmm. that's what I provided. And I recognize within six, I say six to seven months, watching that child change. You know, by the end of the school year, it was a different child. Mm-hmm. Um, able to talk. Did mm-hmm. the anger go away? No. Anger mm-hmm. was still there. Moments mm-hmm. of, you know, getting out of control, but yet learning to take a step back and control his reactions towards things. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not going to break anything now, but I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about what's wrong. You know, mm-hmm. I might scream for five minutes, but then, okay, I'm going to tell you what just happened. Right. And I see progress. And part of I feel like what was happening with the child, they felt like the only way they can handle things is through anger, fighting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the child saw beyond the walls of the school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that things can't be changed. You know, mm-hmm. the way a child sees themselves or an adult as well can be changed. Mm-hmm. But you have to have people that are patient enough to work with them. And they also have to seek out help if they need it to change, to make those changes. Absolutely. And, and I think that's an excellent point because you created that safe space for the child to be able to identify what he needed and give voice to that. And that's something that's very important in working with children, adolescents, and adults who have negative core beliefs. The other piece to that is asking, especially children and adolescents, tell me how you see yourself. Right. What do you think about yourself? What kind of a person are you? You know, let's say I just meet you for the very first time. Describe yourself to me. And that will give you give that or give you a lot of information about I'm lazy. I'm worthless. I'm I'm not Mm, this. I'm not I can never be this, you know because that's what has been taught to me. And once you gain that information, then very methodically and strategically begin to address each of those beliefs with what we call cognitive arguments. You know, who told you that? Right. Why, Why do you believe that that's true about yourself? Give me some examples of you being a worthless person. Describe that to me. And it helps the child, adolescent, adult realize they don't have any hard, cold facts to back the fact that they're worthless. It's only what's been told to them. And once they come to that realization, it's like, oh, well, that doesn't work for me anymore. So I need to replace that with something else. And again, that's where we come in, you know, as the helpers to help them do that. Absolutely. And even with this core release, I know we're talking about students, but even in adulthood, you think about the experiences we have at work. Maybe you have a boss that's very demanding and sometimes demeaning, just calling people names or saying things about people um, or tone. You know, sometimes we don't think about our tone. Mm-hmm. Um, those things happen and sometimes it, it will mess with you and make you think, I'm not worthy or I can't do the job. Maybe I should go somewhere else. You know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I can't I can't handle it. I've heard that before with people. I can't handle this anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say even myself, when I made the decision to leave the school system, I was overwhelmed. And I said, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't. I need some time away. Mm-hmm. But I was also told by another adult, take some time off for yourself. Work on yourself. And mm-hmm. if you're ready to come back, you come back. Mm-hmm. So that was what I needed to hear because I had it going on what I was thinking and feeling at the moment. I would mm-hmm. never come back, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's so funny you say that because in my role, I've had employees and staff members come and say, my direct supervisor just pulled me in the office and stood about three inches from my face and screamed at me. Mm-hmm. Just to the point where I'm feeling spittle on my face from wow. them screaming at me. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that's enough to traumatize the best right. of us. Absolutely. It really is. And so in talking and working with that person, you know, of course I go to, how did you feel when that happened? What did you hear that you interpreted was negative about yourself from what this person said? And, and I've gotten comments like, I'm a terrible employee. You know, I'm not productive enough. I'm not efficient. I'm not good at my job and all of these things. And so we have to examine each of those things. And, okay, what makes you think that you're not a good employee? What makes you think that you're not productive? Simply based on the inappropriate response that you got from right. your supervisor. Because let me emphasize that was inappropriate. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but you're right. I mean, in, in talking with people, we do have to modulate our tone. We have to be careful what we say. Um, working with children with really negative core beliefs and poor self-image and self-esteem. And, and this may sound a little silly, but you have to be careful how you sit with them. Right. Absolutely. Really do. It's like you never sit directly in front of a child who is angry and acting out or and lean forward because they see that as confrontation. Right. So you kind of sit to the side in a collaborative manner. Um, you don't make sudden moves. You know, you don't touch them without permission. Right. Um, you know, just simple things like that. And again, that's going to help those core beliefs to come to the surface for them to share with you. And then you can work with them, you know, once you understand what they are and what they're operating with. Absolutely right. And for the listeners, you know, these core beliefs are not just in the school system or at work it's in your relationships. You know, you think about marriages. Sometimes we feel we have the power to say what we want to say to the other person not understanding how that impacts people. You know, um, you get frustrated at work or frustrated at home. You bring that home. You bring whatever happens at work to home. Mm-hmm. And you use your partner as a target, you know, to unload on them and not realizing now they're thinking they're not worth anything to you. You know, they're not valued. And that creates a whole nother set of issues beyond just, you know, what's going to happen at home because you don't know people will go seek validation other places. Mm-hmm. And then we, we don't always understand why. Right. 
Right, exactly. And and another example of relationships, I'm so glad you brought that up. It's working with a woman who had been told all her life that you can't trust men. Right. All men are dogs. And you can only trust them as far as you can see them. And your relationships probably aren't going to be long lasting. So she brought all that baggage from childhood right. into her relationships and recreated it so that every relationship she was in, all of those things played out. And even if the guy was like, you know, super dedicated to her and not cheating and trustworthy and everything, she would create the scenario and begin to accuse them. Oh, I know you're cheating on me. Well, why right. are you looking at that other woman? I can't trust you. I know you're going to do something. You may not be doing it now, but I know you're going to. And so eventually, you know, she would drive the men away because they're hearing this from her based on her core beliefs that no one ever corrected. Right. Right. And it wasn't until maybe her, I think she had been married like five times. Wow. The marriages worked out. But what she also found is that she was sharing those core beliefs with her children. So you then create generational legacies of negative core beliefs that keep playing out until somebody figures out, this is not working for me. I need to address this and change the dynamics. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and I, I've fallen victim to that too, you know, of believing what was said to me or about me and it carried on into trying to get jobs or trying to restart relationships. You start thinking all this negative stuff about you. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not handsome enough. Oh, it's my vitiligo. You know, you think all these negative things about yourself mm-hmm. until you get to the point where you say, I had enough of that. Mm-hmm. I got to think highly of myself, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, no, it didn't work between me and this other person. However, I love me, you know, um, I, somebody's going to love me, but I have to show that I love myself first. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to be in a stable relationship. You got to speak those things into existence, but you got to do the work to get there first. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, think about it. So you bring your beliefs into a relationship that other person brings their beliefs into the relationship. Right. And so you got all of these things, you know, intermingling and it could be a real mess. I right. Mean, real mess and then you end up in couples counseling and try to work it all out if you're lucky enough to want to do that right absolutely and 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 for a lot of us you know we have these core beliefs you know and they are beliefs what we believe not always facts but we don't want to do and i'm gonna go back to saying doing the work of going to talk to somebody Mm -hmm. you know I'm not talking about talking to your friends because your friends are going to tell you what they they think you should know. (laughs) I'm talking about seeking help, counselor, professional help, you know, um, getting the proper guidance or giving the proper tools to guide you back into the right path to let you see that, you know, those those things that we believe growing up and they're not always true. You know, Um, I, I recall being told in high school I couldn't draw. Mm. And I believed it, but I can draw, I can paint, I write short stories, I can write poetry, but there's, I feel like until we do the work, there's always going to be that little part of us that says, I'm not good enough. 
Mm-hmm. There's somebody always better than you. That person draws better than you or right. And I was starting to, you know, like I have to shift my thinking and say it's not about who's the best. Mm-hmm. It's about putting something out there for people that, yeah, some people are not going to be interested in it. That's fine. But somebody mm-hmm. else is going to see it as the next best thing for them. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to get into that mindset, you know, that. Yeah, just because I was told that 20 years ago, that was 20 years ago. That's not mm-hmm. who I am. I don't need to believe in that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but once again, seek help to get there. Because mm-hmm. as we know, as you start reaching those, um, the ladder, you're going to miss a step. You're going to fall back down. You're going to climb back up. You know, I like the game that shoots the ladder. You get up to a certain level and you right. hit that shoot. You go back down. You got to keep working back up, you know. Um, and, and I think sometimes we get complacent. We don't want to do the work. Mm-hmm. It's hard work. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It is hard work. And, you know, and, and I tell everybody that it is extremely hard work. And it's so interesting. You shared that because I remember being in maybe the eighth or ninth grade and meeting with a guidance counselor. I went to, um, a school that was predominantly white. It was maybe, African-Americans in that school. And the guidance counselor asked me, so what do you want to be when you grow up? And so I I said, I want to be a doctor. I want to help heal people and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And she looked at me and she was Caucasian and she just slowly shook her head. She said, "Um, you know, I I, I really hate to tell you this, but, you know, it's probably more realistic for you to think about maybe being a teacher or, you know, maybe doing something where you're cleaning people's houses and mm. more along. And, and I thought what you're telling me completely contradicts what I'm being told at home. And, and I want to talk about mixed messages in a second, but that's not what my mother told me. My mother told me I could be anything that I wanted to be. And so I said to the woman, I said, well, that's not what my mom told me. She said, well, you know, your mother loves you, so she's going to tell you the things that she thinks you want to hear. And so I got angry. And I said, yeah, okay, thanks. And went home that evening and told my mother. And my mother, of course, went to the school the next day and had a session with the guidance counselor (laughs) who then no longer worked at the school. Wow. But, um, you know, it's like along the way, other people will tell you things and try to convince you that you need to buy into that belief. Right. Even though it may go against everything in your grain, you know, it's a lie. Right. And, and right. you're not going to make me believe that. But I, I wanted to mention something about mixed messages that we also receive um, as we're growing up. And we could grow up in a very healthy family environment and get Messages like, you know, you're great, you can do anything you want, and, you know, you're worthy, and this, that, and the other, but then also get underlying messages of watching the people who raised us who may not be handling their problems in a very healthy manner, and we see that, and then we get confused. Right, right. Okay, well, you told me this, and I believe this, but I'm seeing you do this. And so I'm I'm confused. I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to do with this information. 
and you know it could cause again problems down the road in relationships on the job and right just living life um in in general so that's something else we have to be mindful of absolutely now let me ask you this um are all core beliefs negative no, they're not. Absolutely. <laughs> I didn't want anybody listening saying, oh, my gosh, my core beliefs are all horrible. No, no. Right. We talked about some of the negative ones. Yes. Let, let's talk about some of the positive core beliefs and kind of mm-hmm. move forward in that direction. Absolutely. So positive core beliefs, and hopefully they start in childhood. And I, I tell this to parents, be, be very mindful of what you tell your children. Because they're like little tape recorders. They record everything and then they'll play it back. Yes, they do. Yes. So if you're telling your child, you know, you're wonderful, you're special, you're gifted, you can do and be anything that you want to do and be. Those are the kind of positive core beliefs we want to instill in our children. And those are the messages we want them to repeat to themselves. Now, I will say this just kind of as a disclaimer. Sometimes you can, you know, feed core beliefs that are positive to your children and they kind of take it to the nth degree and become vain and narcissistic. We don't want that. But we do want to instill healthy messages of if I have a problem in my life and I can't fix it, there are people that I can go to who can help me fix it. Or I've been given the coping skills by watching my parents address this kind of problem. So I'm going to do what they did and address my problem. And because I believe that I can do this, and that's what they would tell me as I'm growing up that I can. So, again, those are the kind of things that we want to instill in our children. Things like you're capable, you're able, you know. if you do have a difficult time, it's okay. It's going to pass. It's not going to last forever. You know, you might feel bad for a moment, but what can you learn from that? And use it to make yourself better, stronger, more resilient. Absolutely. You know, I, 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 I bring up my personal experience because, well, that's the one I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I recall being in college and all my friends were into education and I'm like, no, I don't want to do education. You know, I wanted radio TV journalism Mm -hmm. and that's where I really thought my life was going to go in, which this platform fits that. However, I, um, I was teaching the art class and not even thinking about I'm teaching, I was teaching the art class and it was kind of like, um, like an after-school program, we were going to the school system, and one of the teachers there, she said, you know, have you ever thought about working for Wake County? I was like, mm, not really. She <laughs> said, no, no. She said, you should work as a teacher. She said, I'm sitting here going through the process as you're teaching the students. I'm also learning from you. She said, you make a good educator. And I was like, eh. But then I go back to my childhood. We had a Sunday school teacher. Um Miss Wilson, I always remember her. Mm-hmm. She was putting positive core beliefs in us and not even realizing it. Public mm-hmm. speaking, you know, how to walk, how to take care of yourself. 
you know, mm -hmm. when you speak to people, your manners and, you know, and I think back to now, she always said, do not call me a teacher. Hmm. I'm an educator. She said a teacher only will give you information from a book. An educator is going to teach you something from the book mm -hmm. and life skills. I'm like, huh, Ooh. okay, I like that. <laughs> but, you know, I, I will hmm. always remember her sharing those things with us as kids, mm -hmm. not realizing that now as an adult, I'm mm -hmm. taking it in and going, wow, those memories came back and I'm applying it now to my own life. Mm -hmm. um, and believing that, you know, I can make a difference in a child's life or I'm going to be the best educator I can possibly be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just changing the way I see myself and seeing the world. Mm -hmm. um, there was a, a time where at one point I had lost my job. And, you know, you start thinking it's the end of the world because you lost your job. You know, a lot of people are losing their jobs, you know, mm -hmm. and you have to think, you know, I'm not a bad person because I lost my job. Now I have to rethink my life. I have to do things differently. What I want to do with my life now and mm -hmm. how can I get there? Like, that's the way I had to see it. Mm -hmm. Um was the road easy? Uh, it's hard when you lose your job because you, you know, <laughs> you just, you don't, sometimes you don't see the light, the, the light at the end of the tunnel. You just kind of see the tunnel and you're like, man, it's dark in there. I don't want to go in there, you know. Mm -hmm. But it also gives you a chance to, I think, jumpstart your life. Mm -hmm. You get a, get a do-over. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what I think with our core beliefs, you know, if you were taught all these negative things as a child or even as an adult or had these traumatic experiences, mm -hmm. you can change them. Mm -hmm. They don't have to stay the same. You don't have to go in that same circle over and over and over again. At some point you can step outside that circle and say, you know what, let me start a straight line and see where this takes me. No, that, right. that's a choice you made. Right. Exactly. And, um, and I mean, you know, my history and everything. Yes. Talking about <clears throat> losing a job and losing my home and all of it literally happening in the same day. Yes. And no one, as I was growing up, had ever told me I was a failure. No one ever told me that. But because of that traumatic experience, I told myself I was a failure. Right, right. And so, you know, I'm sitting on the curb with all my worldly possessions around me thinking, yeah, you, you, yep, you're, you might as well just go to a homeless shelter or just, you know, call it quits and just right. out. And someone from my church said to me, this could be God's way of saying it's time for a new chapter. Absolutely. It's time for a new season. So what do you need to learn from what just happened to you in order to turn the page and start that new season, that new chapter. And and that's what kind of got me out of that place of I'm a failure, you know, next thing you know, I'll be, and I'm not saying anything about people that work at McDonald's, but next thing you know, I'll be working at McDonald's kind of thing. No, this, this is, as my grandmother used to say, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Right. And it definitely did. Absolutely. It definitely did. Um, I learned that I can survive disastrous 
situations and come out on the better end from that core belief that I developed at that right. time. And, and, and you know, it's interesting. Sometimes people can see what we're going through better than we can see it because oh, yeah. we're so deep into what we believe about ourselves. We're not seeing it. Um, right. I, I went through a challenging time going through separation and divorce. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend and um, I plan on having him on my podcast at some point because we, we said we want to have that brother to brother conversation. Mm-hmm. But his mom, his, his mom and his, yeah, him and his mom had a store at the mall. And I would stop by the mall before I go teach my class. And, you know, I would just go there to talk. Hey, how's it going? And he would tell me, he said, man, you know, you're in a dark place. You don't do you don't look happy. You know, he's like, smile sometimes. And I thought I was smiling. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't. Um, he took he took a picture of me and sent it to me. He said, Mark, you're very unhappy. What What's going on? And I finally started opening and sharing what I was dealing with and going through and how I was feeling about myself. Because sometimes when you go through these traumatic, life-changing situations, you think that's it. Mm-hmm. The world mm-hmm. is over. I'm not this. I'm not, you know, and that's where I was. And, um, but every day I was stopped by there to talk, not knowing what I was getting was, I'm going to say some spiritual food, mm-hmm. talking to his mom, talking to him. There'll be other men that will be around the security guard, different people. And we will all just talk and share. Mm-hmm. And I, I went to a divorce care program and I had mentioned it before in one of the other podcasts. And I went through that program. It was a six week program. Mm-hmm. I went through it three times. <laughs> the first time I needed it. Second time I needed to have reinforcement. The third time I just enjoyed it. I was like, you know what? I, these are my people. <laughs> we all go through <laughs> the same thing. But it started changing me little by little and mm-hmm. rebuilding my confidence, um, rebuilding the way I saw myself and mm-hmm. recognizing, you know, I'm a person. Mm-hmm. Um, there are going to be challenges in life, but that doesn't mean when you go through those issues and challenges that life is over, it's not. And you get a restart and you get a refresh. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to the mall one day and he looked at me, he said, Mark, you different. What's, what's, what happened? What's going on? He said, your walk is different. Mm-hmm. And I told him I was going to that program. And I said, you know, I think what I did, I rediscovered who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. I'm not there yet, not complete, but I'm mm-hmm. getting there, you know? And, um, and all that was leading into when I talk about 2019, all that was around the same time. So I, I felt that change, but I needed it, needed that support from other people. Yes. You know, Absolutely. I couldn't have done it by myself, Absolutely. but the, the point was I was put in the right place to talk to his name is Chris, Chris and his family. Mm-hmm. I was put in the right place to see the sign to say, stop, you need some help, you know, <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and to be brave enough to walk in there to know I needed some help mm-hmm. and recognizing, well, everybody else in here needs help too. So I'm good. You know, <laughs> we're all in the same place. Um, Cause I know we think it's just us when we're going through things, challenges, mm-hmm. we think I'm the only one going through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of those, I think core beliefs that hinders us. Cause we think we are the only one. Yep. Absolutely. There's Absolutely. others going through it too. Absolutely. And and I find that especially true in working with 
children and adolescents mm-hmm. um, who, you know, tend to be isolative in the way that they think. And like, even if I share this with someone I trust, I'm still the only person going through this and they may not understand how I'm feeling or what I'm thinking. And so as the helpers, we have to assure them, you know what? No, you're not. You're not the only person who thinks that way, who feels that way. And you're not alone. And that support, and even more peer support, is really crucial in helping people overcome negative core beliefs. Absolutely. And assuring them that they're not alone. Um, One other piece, too, in in what you just said is um, affirmation of our own humanity. Yes. In terms of overcoming negative core beliefs. And we do have to affirm... I'm a human being and I am always a work in progress. Right. Absolutely. I am always a work in progress. And if I ever get to the point where I think, oh, I've arrived, I'm perfect. Somebody needs to slap me upside my head. (laughs) It's not true. true. But that allows for continued growth intellectually, personally, spiritually, and just allows that opening for what else does life have to offer that's going to help me be a better version of me so that I can offer that better version of me to the world, you know, and and, and do better and be better and help more people. Um, So I really like that you said that most definitely. That that was one of the discussions we had with the students uh, this summer. We had the team teach um, for the summer program, which ends tomorrow. Um, (laughs) It's been a, it's been a, Fast yet busy five weeks. Um, but we talked to the kids and, and we said, you know, we have to affirm each other. Um, there are times we have to speak life into ourselves, but we also have to speak it into each other because mm-hmm. we struggle, mm-hmm. even as educators. Because we tell the, our, our students, you know, yes, we may look like we always have it together, but there are times we're tired too. Mm-hmm. We're we're frustrated too. We are thirsty just like you. We need to go to the bathroom like you, you know, or you know, we're having family issues just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And said, and we need those affirmations, you know, just like we give it to you saying good morning, you know, give you a high five. Some people give hugs, some mm-hmm. people say positive things. I said we need it also. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to see more students do that. They'll just randomly come up and say, hey, give me a high five, or you need a hug. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yes, thank you. We need it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of times as adults, we think we can tackle everything in this world by ourselves and on our own. Um, and I often say Superman, Superwoman, Supergirl, Superboy, there's kryptonite. No matter how strong you think you are, mm-hmm. there's something that's going to bring you down. And you got to have friends with you to help you back up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and those friends, and I think you had mentioned this earlier, they have to be the ones that love us enough to tell us the truth we don't want to hear. Absolutely. You know, don't tell me, oh, it's going to be all right and pat my hand. No, girl, you need to get up and start doing this differently and get your act together and change this because it ain't working for you. Right. Absolutely. Those are the kind of friends I want. 
and you have to be open to it. That's one of the challenges I see. I did it. I had friends tell me something. I knew they were right. Didn't mm-hmm. want to listen to them. Mm-hmm. And I finally had to admit, you were right. I didn't listen to you. I should have. But mm-hmm. I wanted to do things my way, or see it my way. And um, one of my buddies said, well, how did it work out for you? <laughs> yeah, I got it. Yes. Yeah. Right. I should have listened. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's one of those things. We live and learn. Mm-hmm. But you got to be open to it. You got to be open to the change. You got to be open to hear what people are going to say, even if it hurts. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And hey, you know, sometimes hurt feelings are really the best gift we can receive and we get the greatest blessings from them. Um, it was like, you heard my feelings when you said that, but you were absolutely right. And so right. I need to, you know, do things differently. So thank you. I might be crying while I'm saying it. <laughs> right. Thank you. You know, for hurting my feelings. Absolutely. Or you might think I'm not listening to you because I'm looking in the other direction, but I'm really going, wow, they're making a lot of sense, but I don't want to show that to them. You know, we <laughs> right. do that. And, right, we do. We do. Right. Um, exactly. Now, exactly. before we wrap things up, what are some strategies we can use to help us when we're dealing with these core beliefs? I've known there's a lot more information that we can cover on this, and we might, might come back and do a part two. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, somebody who is struggling with you know they they have these beliefs they know what's wrong or maybe not necessarily wrong let me correct that it's hurtful to them you know um or it presents challenges to their lives what can they do to help themselves like kind of mold and shape themselves to look differently or to be different or act different the first thing is that if we're going to make any changes in our lives, we have to become aware of what it is we need to change. Um, we can't change something we're not aware of. So helping a person identify thoughts and beliefs that are no longer working for them is the first key basic thing that needs to happen. And that can be found out by, as I said, just having a simple conversation using as you and I know from restorative circle practice, right. using invitational language. What's going on with you? It Absolutely. seems like you might be struggling with something. Hey, look, I'm, I'm here to listen. If you feel comfortable enough, tell me about it. I'm here. And just inviting in them into that space to share what it is that they're thinking. And when you start to hear some of the incorrect information they've been telling themselves, I do ask people, how's that working for you? What, what results has it you know, shown you in your life? And if it's not working, can I give you maybe just some recommendations or things to think about to change that into something that is gonna work for you and starting those kind of conversations. And being available to people if they wanna talk, um, it might be inconvenient for us sometimes, but you know what? If we care enough about a person, we'll create the space to allow them to talk to us when they need to do that. Absolutely. And being non-judgmental, and the biggest thing is patience, and realizing that people are not going to change their beliefs just because we want them to or we think they should. Right. It's like, I see you're struggling with that. I'm here to help you and be here for you. If it takes you six months, I'll still be here six months. I may be saying to myself, 
Okay, isn't it about time you uh, <laughs> right. put that up? But guess what? I'm not going anywhere because I care enough about you and I'm going to be here for you. Absolutely. And, that, and that's the most powerful thing, knowing that somebody's going to be there for you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, and it all takes time. So that time is important. Um, I often tell people, I say, you know, there's one or two things. If I'm not ready to do something, one, don't pull me off the edge. And two, don't push me off the edge. Mm-hmm. If you're going to walk with me, walk beside me. Let me do it at my pace. You know, right. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, Nia, this has been a great conversation. It has. Yeah, yes, yes. And we can go on for another hour, but, you know, I got to honor both our time because I'm like, oh, we've been on for an hour. But, hey, when you start talking and having these conversations, it just flows. So I appreciate it. Um, for the listeners, you know, this is a very important conversation because we don't talk enough about our core beliefs and how they mold and shape how we see the world and ourselves. And, you know, if you want more information about core beliefs, and I guess what you can do, is there a website, Nia, that you can give or any information? There is one website that I use all the time, and it's called therapistaid.com. And it has articles um, and will guide you to other areas you know, where you can get information on core beliefs and how to begin to change those, uh, you know, for the ones that aren't working for you. So I think that would be a good starting point for anybody. Okay, absolutely. Thank you. And for anybody, if you didn't get that, I will put it in the link. Um, So when you, by the time you hear this podcast, you would see the link as well. So if you go back, you listen to it, you go, oh, he said there's a link. Yeah, just go back and look at my post. You'll find it. Oh, uh, and let, me, yes. let me add just one more real quick one. Oh, Psychology, yes. Yes. Psychologytoday.com is another good one that has great articles and it's wonderful. So, yeah, those two I would highly recommend. And I definitely, I've read articles on psychologytoday.com as well. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they do have wonderful articles. Anything mm-hmm. that's going to help you better who you are, hey, I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and for our listeners, you know, some people say, well, they didn't talk much about vitiligo. No, we talk more about being people because that's who we are first. Mm-hmm. We have vitiligo. That's secondary. Who you are as a human being is more important than what your skin looks like. Right. Vitiligo is not going to make you uh, leave this earth. It's going to make you look different on this earth. So let's keep that in mind. And for our listeners, I thank you for tuning in. But before I go, I'm going to ask Nia to give us some words of encouragement. I always do that to my guests. <laughs> I think that the core thing is that learning to love and accept ourselves unconditionally and to look at ourselves the way God looks at us is the ultimate goal because he doesn't judge us. And he loves us with such a magnificent love that is just incomparable. And that really, to me, is kind of the lesson in life, is to be able to do that. Absolutely, absolutely. And for all of our listeners, you know, I hope that you heard something that you're going to take to heart and maybe share with somebody else. Um, Now, I'm going to say this. Y'all may say I sound funny. I am dealing with the 
smoke that's coming from Canada. It has been bothering me for the past couple of days. So I sound nasally. I sound congested. Nothing's working. But I'm going to take care of myself. And for those of you up north who are really feeling it, you know, we're going to pray for you that you get some type of relief. And for anybody else out there who's in our community or listening to this, you know, we pray that you get relief from whatever you're dealing with out there uh, and get some peace from it. Yes. So for our listeners, you have been listening to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. Remember to love somebody. Love your friends, love your family, your spouses, your children, you know, uh, people in your inner circle, people in your outer circles. Love your enemy. I know. I always say that's hard to do, but still love them. They need love. But most of all, look in that mirror and tell yourself, I love you. And remember this fact, vitiligo is not contagious. Love is. Y'all take care. You have been listening to Living Life and Love with your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. This podcast can be heard on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and on Facebook. Once again, you've been listening to Living Life in Love with your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina, and Bit Friends Podcast is sponsored by my Better Lego team. <laughs>